Good morning, everyone. This is Guardian Enzo speaking to you as always from lovely Kobe, Japan, the Portland of Japan, as I call it. And with me, as always, is my co-host from the great state of Minnesota, Setsuken. How are you doing this morning, Setsuken? I'm doing good. Moskoi. And it's evening there, isn't it? Yes, yes. It's evening. It's it's actually night where we've gotten the snow already, and it's it's going to get colder and colder. So strap in, I guess. Well, there you go. I would, I would, I, we almost never get snow in the major Japanese cities outside of like Sapporo and Sendai and Hakodate and stuff. So I, I really miss it. I grew up in the Midwest and uh, snow was always uh, one of my favorite parts of the year. So occasionally when I, so, yeah, go ahead. So what's this thing about white Christmas that we see in anime all the time? It's just poetic license. I mean, once in a great while, it snows in Tokyo and Osaka and places like that. And Kyoto gets a, occasionally gets a snow, but it's very rare. It's very rare. Especially when I was in Tokyo, there were two snowstorms that ran about 20 centimeters, 25 centimeters, which wow. was the two biggest. They happened one, one immediately after the other, Sunday and Sunday, two consecutive Sundays, and they were the two biggest storms since 1957. So I considered my my good luck in uh, in being part of those, and I took a lot of video and films, and actually did some posts on my website about it because Tokyo in the snow was really beautiful, and I have some Kyoto snow fo- uh, video as well on my website. If you look at the Japan subheading on Lost in Anime, you'll see a lot of uh, my travelogue stuff, and some of that is snow related. But it's very rare. It's very rare, and it always turns to disgusting slush and melts like almost immediately, even if it's a big snow. Like we got like about 27 inches of snow in the big one in Tokyo, which like I said, was the biggest in almost 60 years. And like literally 48 hours later, it was all melted and gone. So Mm. um, it's not like in Minnesota where if you get a snow and it just builds on top of the next snow and it builds on top of the next snow and you have, yeah, that's, it's different. Uh, So as always, um, we we, uh, we have a tradition, as you know, on on uh, on our No Taku podcast, where I ask a question and Setsuken has to give an answer. So the question for this morning is, uh, if you were going to have uh, dinner with any anime character and they were going to pick the restaurant, which anime character would you want to choose the restaurant? Oh, man, this is easy. Oh, go for it. Go, go for it. Shokugeki no Soma Soma, of course. Okay. And he'd probably say his diner. I was going to say, I, I, that's an interesting choice, uh, except I suspect, um, I expect he would probably choose that some divey little, some divey little uh, diner like his father uh, runs. But uh, hey, you know, sometimes those places have the best food, so that's not necessarily yes. a bad thing. I love holes in the wall. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I'm going to say, just to be contrarian... Uh, I'll say uh, the uh, what's his name, the hero from uh, Cooking Master Boy, him, because I love Chinese food. And mm. uh, he always comes up with uh, some good recipes using like Szechuan peppercorns and stuff like that. So uh, that would be good. And I, I love the, I love the spicy food and they do the spicy food there a lot. Uh, so there you go. So uh, it's uh, it's getting towards the end of October. Uh, it may be almost winter in Minnesota, but it's uh, it's basically fall just starting to settle in in Japan. Lots of big events coming up around the world, especially in the United States. Uh, but of course, we're here to talk about anime. And in, in particular, uh, we have one 
Uh, one element of our podcast, which we want to focus on at the beginning this week, because we're coming up on quite a milestone, the end of our first core, our 13th episode will be, uh, you know, and hopefully we won't, we won't blow the ending as so many anime. We won't give you a Gynax ending, but uh, we do have uh, a listener survey, which we've put out there, which my co-host has, uh, has put together. And I, I think I'm going to leave it to Setsuken to kind of give you the details on what he wants, what he wants you, the listeners, to take away from that. So, Setsuken, the floor is yours. Okay, awesome. So, basically, we we set up the survey and we released it, I think, a day or two ago on Twitter. So, some people have already filled it out, which was awesome. But obviously, the majority of you, our audience, is listening to the podcast right now. So, we'll leave the listener survey in the description. And the intent behind this is really to. After episode 13, because we're not going to end the the podcast after episode 13, but it's going to be kind of our first run through of the podcast in its current form. And we want to kind of change some things. One of the things that Guardian Enzo and I have been talking about is length and how we want to do stuff. And I know we definitely want to do more video content as well on the channel again. So one of the things that we're curious about is this podcast is fairly long. Would the would the listeners be interested in a shorter one, maybe one that focused on just the news, maybe something else, uh, maybe the topic of the week is the most important thing to you. So this survey is your chance to kind of preserve the podcast in the best way possible. And then also, if there's other things you're interested in, like guest interviews or travel videos in Japan or something like that, uh, suggest that to us. And if it, and if there's something else that you like or don't like about the podcast, say that as well. So that's that's kind of the idea is we're collecting, we're taking a breath, we're collecting some information. And then after all of that is done, we will um, go from there. And next week, we will for sure take some time to go through the survey and talk about it. So you have a week. Yeah, that's yeah. We'll definitely talk about the what kind of responses we get on the air. So don't worry about that. Uh, and the only thing I want to say really on uh, to kind of follow up on, on what you said is just so, you know, our listeners understand that the reason that we're doing this is uh, because we're ambitious. We want this thing to be successful. We're not necessarily, we're doing it because it's fun, but we also want it to be, uh, we want it to be something that's organic and growing and because we feel like there's an audience out there in anime that that wants to have this kind of conversation with us. And so, you know, this is our way of of sort of giving you a chance to to dictate, well, dictate is a strong word, but to at least suggest to us what's the most important thing, where do you want us to go? And uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to take that feedback very seriously because ultimately you guys are the ones who decide uh, what's what works. And uh, we're going to keep doing what we love to do, but we're going to do it in a way that, that you love to hear it. I think that that's the goal. So we have, a, as, as you said, Setsuken, it's a long podcast. Uh, maybe there are parts of maybe people like that. You know, as you said last week, I, we have people who complain that the podcasts were too short. So, you know, people who really love a long workout, I guess. So there's all kinds of different things that go into this. And that's why we put out, uh, you put out a very wide ranging survey with a lot of different types of questions. And uh, through this, we're really hoping to get a, a good sort of a snapshot of who our listeners are and 
you know, what's most important to them. And that's the bottom line. What's most important to you? So we would really appreciate it. Just like we said last week, we really appreciate it if you subscribe, if you follow, if you like, if you comment, all those other things. We would really appreciate it if you would take this opportunity. What would you say? It's about a three-minute process to fill out the whole thing, something like that? Three to five if you give really long subjective answers. Yeah, which you're welcome to do, by the way. So uh, take the three to five minutes, fill the thing out, and and uh, we'll definitely study that study those responses very carefully and uh, take them into serious consideration as we think about uh, where to grow the podcast as from the second course. So thank you very much. Any other thoughts on that, Setsukin, or are we good to go? No, the, the final thing I'll say is that we are growing. So um, we've actually grown, looking at some of the statistics on Spotify and YouTube, we've grown 115%, which is basically double in terms of people that are following us between the two platforms. Um, I think YouTube is actually 115 and uh, Spotify and podcast services are a little bit more. And then viewing and listening time has increased by 200%. So we're definitely growing. We just want to grow even faster. Yep. There you go. Okay. Uh, So that is our big news for the week. Listener feedback. We love it. But we have other feedback in the more informal form. As you know, and that's another thing we like to talk about on the New Taco Podcast. So, so this week uh, we have some responses from our regular crew. One of them is uh, Princess Usagi, who writes to us as usual from the moon. And no, that's a little Japanese thing, of course. Uh, Princess Usagi, who is uh, our, become uh, our regular YouTube contributor at this point, and we thank you for those YouTube comments. She loved them. She says thank you for the discussion. Uh, not terribly familiar with uh, movie animes, seen the big ones like Kimi no Noa, Tenki no Ko, and the Ghibli movies, not much beyond that. And she really appreciates the detailed rundown of prominent directors and movies and uh, gave gives her some direction to go to start exploring more anime films. And of course, that's music to our ears because that's one of the reasons we like to do this. So thank you very much, uh, uh, Princess Usagi Hime-sama. We appreciate that. And I hope we gave you some good suggestions that you enjoy some of those films we talked about. And then from over at LIA, Steve says, you forgot my favorite Jinkai film, The Kids Who Go Underground and Eventually See a Big Floating Boat. I like it a ton. And I suspect, Setsuken, that that comment is meant ironically. Um, And this is a reference to the Shinkai film, Children Who Chase Voices uh, from Below or whatever the heck that Mm -hmm. thing was called. And I have some thoughts on that film, but I'm curious to hear yours first, and I don't want to poison the well. So what are your thoughts on that particular Shinkai movie that we didn't talk about? Sure. So before we get into that, I do want to thank Princess Usagi because she has primarily uh, commented on Lost in Anime, and then uh, she was the first one to like kind of listen to us and go onto YouTube. So I really appreciate it. I, I noticed that and I appreciate it. So I wanted to thank that. As for Steve, um, his comment, the film I think is kind of okay. It's not the best Shinkai film is my opinion on it. I actually don't have very strong opinions on anything um, beyond five centimeter per second, your name and weathering with you. The other ones are are okay in my eyes. And sometimes I even forget that they're Shinkai films, honestly, um, which says something, I guess, about my engagement with them. I will say Steve's comment threw me for a little bit of a loop. And so I actually Googled 
the kids who go underground and eventually see a big floating boat. And guess what I found? What's that? What's that? I'm curious. It was an anime series called Suse no Gargantua. Do you remember this one? The mecha show in the water? I remember that. Yeah, I remember Gargantua. Sure. It's uh, Urobuchi Gen wrote the first season. Yes, yes. And I was very surprised. So Google, Google thinks that when you search for that, and I put anime after that whole phrase, uh, that we're talking about Suse no Gargantua. Really? Yep. Well, I suspect Steve was talking about the Shinkai movie, though. <laughs> yes, he did say Makoto Shinkai. Film. Uh, yeah, we could talk about Suisei no Gargantia sometime because I think that was a classic, kind of a great start, shark jump show. But um, I remember the first episode of Gargantia, by the way, was fantastic. I mean, it was just made such a great first impression. It was beautiful. Mm. It had that Urbuchigen touch to it. But Urbuchigen is a classic, great start weak finish kind of a writer to me. That's pretty much the story of almost everything he's ever done. But as far as the children who go underground and see big floating boats, I'm, I am prepared to say that to me, that is the weakest Shinkai film because it's so transparently to me, trying to imitate Miyazaki and, Mm. uh, and that really, it, it, it just struck me as being a very kind of a discordant because Shinkai is not Miyazaki and Hosoda is not Miyazaki. Yes. And they don't have to be Miyazaki. And I think that the, the, the impression you get from that film, and that was the first one he did that had like a major studio backing. Because, you know, he went through the whole, he went through the whole, the whole chain of things with, you know, Place Promised and Voices of a Distant Star, which were basically him on his Mac and developing over time, uh, getting bigger and bigger. And eventually with this movie, he had a he had a backing with a major studio and, and distribution, and it really felt like it was like okay, I have to make a Ghibli film, and not only that, I have to make a Miyazaki film. Mm. And Miyazaki's good at making Miyazaki films, but you know, other people are not as good at making Miyazaki films because they're not Miyazaki. And it's it just it, it has a very kind of a there are some nice elements to it. I thought Miu Iwano's uh, voice performance was very good. It had some nice bits, but and it had some beautiful visuals as well as any Shinkai film does, but it just doesn't work to me. It, it it seems like literally like in an unseemly way, like I'm trying to copy Miyazaki. That's the vibe I get off that movie. Yeah, it's 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 not fun when uh, a director that has a particular voice tries to imitate somebody else. So I agree with you there. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's not like he's some generic director who doesn't have an identity of his own. He does. Uh, and that. And so maybe a generic director trying to copy another director is actually better because at least it, it's, it, it adds some distinctiveness to something. But with Shinkai, it was like oil and water for sure. But thank you very much, Steve, for the question. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, there's a reason we didn't hear us mention it last week. Uh, so as always, we appreciate your feedback and all the more so this week. But feedback is only the jumping off point to the Notaku podcast. It's just the shallow end where we dip our toes in and get our and get and get our little piggies wet before they go to market. Now we're going to start the swim. Okay, it's an anime season and we're almost one month into it, and that means it's time to talk about what we're watching because we're watching anime and the anime that we're watching is the what. 
and we're watching a few things. But just uh, just to qualify, we may have a few mild spoilers in the upcoming section. So use the timestamps below if you don't want to be slightly spoiled about possibly a couple of shows that like Haikyuu or Yukuku no Moriarty, you can jump ahead to the end of the section. We may talk a little bit about what happens in those episodes. So, Setsuken, what are you watching? A lot of stuff, but today, uh, kind of uh, going with what we decided last week, the series I'll talk about this week is Haikyuu. Uh, welcome to the top. And if you remember, this was in the... In the season preview, it was in my top eagerly anticipated. And a lot of that was because I was excited for how they were going to develop some of the stuff that they left off with and how they started Haikyuu to the top, which is, I think, the fourth season, uh, the first part of it. But what was interesting about this week and why I wanted to highlight it was it finally dove into a character that I feel Haikyuu hasn't really focused on all that much. And that made me really care about that character who I didn't care about at all. So I really, I really think Haikyuu is improving this late in the game where it's making me feel for characters and character arcs that I think I almost kind of forgot about in some ways. And then, you know, there's that real sense of excitement in the match. And uh, I think sports anime have this really unique thing. So, similar to battle anime or shonen anime or manga where they really kind of um, get you excited and rooting for the character and to see them win. And that whole process, it was just nice seeing that again after so long. And I assume you're talking about Tanaka. Uh, Baldi. Yes. Yes, yeah. the Baldi boy. Yeah, Baldi boy. Yeah, I, I've, of course, been watching this show as well. And um, it was, yeah, it's good. Honestly... I'm kind of in the same boat with Tanaka of not really caring that much about him. And that sort of colors my take on the episode a little bit, honestly, because it's like, okay, he's kind of a fine character for me. He's sort of in the middle. He's not that interesting and he's, he's not annoying. He's just sort of one of those guys. And it's nice to see those guys get their moment in the sun. It's not enough to make me honestly care about him all that much. But uh, yeah, it, the thing about this particular moment in Haikyuu's history is I think we're in the middle of a match that's kind of a foregone conclusion who's going to win. And of course, I'll have Major Egg in my face if it doesn't turn out that way. But it seems to me that it's pretty much a foregone conclusion who's going to win this match. So you have to sort of generate drama some other way. And uh, that, you know, so th the personal story, I did think the romance angle with him yes. came out of nowhere a little bit. Um, it's like, where was that for three seasons? And now all of a sudden it's something we're talking about with a character we, we really had never met before she showed up in Tokyo uh, just briefly. So that was a bit of a that was a bit of an ass pull for me, frankly. But um, I would actually much rather see some kind of a romance angle with uh with Hinata and Shinata uh, with, you know, Shoyo and uh, the, the girl who was the manager, the, 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 the first year girl whose name I confess I've forgotten. Uh, I thought that would have been an interesting romance angle for them to play up, but it felt like they sort of teased that and never really went anywhere with it. Also the fact that that girl seemed to be getting like really interested in volleyball. And I was like, Oh, she's going to join the girls volleyball team and we'll get to have some conversation about that. And that kind of has gone nowhere, too. We haven't seen anything with that either. So uh, that was a character I, I sort of was hoping we would get more out of, frankly, than we have. Yes. Um, it is interesting how in sports, 
and maybe this is a Japanese culture thing, but in a lot of sports, anime, and manga, there's this real focus on the female cast uh, characters being managers and kind of like that being the thing that they're supposed to do. And I know Haikyuu in uh, season four, part one, did this whole thing about one of the managers of the show, the other one, not the blonde haired one, but the black haired one and how she, you know, had her reasons for why she was a manager and that whole transition thing. But I, I have noticed this as a pattern with sports anime and manga in general, where there is this almost this like, I don't want to say it's sexist, but almost this like, this is the gender role for females is to be kind of in that supporting nurturing role for the team. Uh, and it's often shown in these kind of anime and manga that the, the girls team is the weaker one or the one that doesn't go as far um, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I hear an Osora, which uh, ended 50 episodes, which ended fairly recently, um, had a similar kind of vibe going for it. And it really did feel like Haikyuu light basketball. But mm. I don't know. What were your thoughts on all that? Well, that show is actually the manga is older than Haikyuu, interestingly. Interesting. I would have never guessed. And I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of Ahiro actually. I watched about two quarters worth. It was okay. It just to me it's just not that good a story. I just don't think the writing is is that strong. Um but uh by the way, the Yachi is the girl's name in in Haikyuu. Uh mm. the, the, and she's the one I had hoped we hear more. But I don't disagree with you. Uh, that that does tend to be a kind of a tropey thing in sports anime, which is unfortunate. Uh, but, uh, in the problem is we either get sports anime that are, that, that are pretty much treat girls that way or sports anime that, that are basically just girls doing sports things anime, but we rarely get sports anime that sort of bridge over and have both male and female athletes projected in a, in a, in a really interesting and layered and nuanced way, which is something I would love to see more of for the record. Uh, but you know, it's nevertheless high Q good show. Uh, I was hoping to get a, I still have major for a few more episodes and so major and high Q on Saturday. That's my sports anime fix was hoping to get a little, a little, you know, B12 shot from Taiso Samurai, but I have to say that show has been kind of a debacle for me. So that one is pretty much a lost cause. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. The show I want to talk about, even though we've talked about it before, it, it's a reflection of the fact that, well, there's some good shows this season. There's not a lot that's like really, really wowing me, uh, is Yukoku no Moriarty, which other than Golden Kamui, which again, we've talked about some, but that's a, that's a sequel. Not too many surprises that that's great, but Yukoku no Moriarty is to me easily the most interesting show of the season so far among the new stuff. We had a first episode, which was sort of a level setter, kind of gave us an introduction to the characters. It turned out was anime original, which I had not realized at the time I watched it. Uh, And then the second episode is from the manga, and that takes us back into kind of showing us the origin story of Moriarty and how the Moriarty brothers came to be. And um, I just think the, the level of the writing on this show is, is, pretty high it's quite subtle it's potentially setting up i think a very interesting uh a very interesting sort of a political third third rail that anime normally doesn't like to touch and it could be a lot of fun to see where they go with this and moriarty uh he's 
even his brother Albert, his stepbrother, says something along the lines of doing, you know, doing bad things in the name of good or words to that effect. And and I, I think we can see that's where he's going, uh, that he has these lofty goals and he has no scruples about how he's going to achieve them. And I think that could potentially make him a very interesting, I don't know if you can call him a hero, an anti-hero, a central figure, a protagonist at least. So it'll be very interesting to see where it goes with that. And I also thought it was interesting that his highborn brother, who is fully 100% biologically a Moriarty, who is as aristocratic as it gets, he's the one who sort of sets all this stuff in motion with his with his own kind of distaste for the Victorian class system, which was a twist I was not necessarily expecting. So I thought the first episode and the second episode both really served their function very admirably and set up the story in a very interesting way. Yeah, I agree. Um, With Moriarty, the thing that is really impressing me is how much they're really going into the details. Moriarty is being developed or the the person who is going to assume the title role is being developed in a really interesting and nuanced way. It's also very Japanese in how they're building up that story and going into his history. And like you said, the second episode flashes back to his childhood and is building up his origin story in some ways. And um, there's almost like, I'm wondering if it's Albert that's the Patriot and not Moriarty, the character, so that'll be interesting. Yes, that's that's an interesting question. Yeah, that that could be, couldn't it? When you think about the title, that's possible. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I I'm quite excited for this series. Uh, also, we got the opening this uh, week, which hinted at you know uh, a bunch of other characters from this mythology. Including the Baker Street Irregulars, I might point out. Correct, correct. That's That got me excited, and it seems like I almost hope they they diverge off of the original story and what happens and go their own route. And the manga's ongoing, correct? So Yes, as far as I know, it's ongoing, yeah. Yeah, correct us if we're wrong. We always love that. So, uh, But yeah, I, I, I'd be interested to see if they take a different direction and diverge and do their own thing because i don't think sherlock holmes we've read it to death and i think if if you don't follow it to a t we can still have a very enjoyable thing and we might talk about that later today i have a feeling so a little bit of a tease there uh yeah the manga is ongoing it's 12 volumes uh and uh i don't think i don't think it's gonna stick too closely to the home story i i don't get the impression that that's a big danger i think this is very much uh, this is very much Moriarty's story, and but what interests me about Holmes is what role will will Holmes eventually end up having? Is he going to be a defender of the traditional class system, and as such, uh, an antagonist for Moriarty? Is he is he going to? Uh, that's the part that really interests me about Holmes' involvement is is where does he fit on the political side of this? And also I'm interested because, you know, the first episode was basically William's episode. And then the second episode was Albert's episode. And I think we can assume that the other biological brother, I think we can kind of assume what's going to happen to him based on the end of the second episode. Uh, I feel pretty confident about that. What about Lewis, though? Is there going to be, is is he going to be the focus of the next episode? Is he going to be someone who's developed as, as a major player too, the sickly brother? 
I wonder about him because we've had one brother, one one episode, one brother, one episode, the next brother. I'm wondering if the next episode will be Lewis's episode. That would be an interesting way to go too. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, that's this is a fun one for me. I have not read any of the manga, so I completely cold turkey, which is is in many ways I think we could say the most enjoyable way. I mean, I love it when anime come from properties that I love, but there's always that little sense of anxiety about, oh God, will they screw it up? Whereas this way, I can just go in completely, completely cold and have absolutely no idea what's coming. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Any other of the new shows that you want to give a quick uh, lightning round mention to that you've been following, or are you good to go? Uh, I'm good to go. I will say next week we should talk about Major, because I don't think we've given that uh, a shout out yet. Yeah, I agree. Major is awesome, and uh, it's it's actually going to, I think it's still got about three or four episodes left, something like that, but uh, and hopefully more You know, next year. We'll see. And uh, that's what we're watching this week, but it's not all that we're talking about. Because as the uh, as the world turns, so does anime, and there's always more to talk about. The anime. So, dear listeners, one of the things that uh, some people, some health experts recommend, like Doctor Weil, is uh, taking a news blackout when things get really stressful in the world. But I hope you don't apply that to anime news, because as you know, that's the that's the meat and potatoes of what we do here on uh, the Nutaku Chats, and we have, as always. Lots of anime news to talk about, and in particular, we like to start with the Oricon rankings. So let's do that, and of course, we'll talk about the comic work, first of all, which is to me, I think, is the most interesting category, because it tells us what, uh, what franchises are really successful, and I think we can probably guess what's number one in the comic franchise list. You want to take a shot at it, Suzuki, and what do you think is number one in the comic franchise total sale list the demon the slayer the demon slayer yes stunningly it's kimetsu no yaiba uh but number two jujutsu kaisen for the second week in a row which again i think suggests to us that uh that series is getting a huge boost from the huge views boost from the anime uh promise neverland comes in at number three chihaya furu number four which is a which is a big jump they must have had a new volume release this week which we may find out soon enough and Card Captor Sakura Clear Card really? comes in at number five. Yeah. I guess I think that the ninth volume of that came out this week as well. Uh, the other ones are kind of our familiar faces High Q Kingdom, Attack on Titan, Goblins, uh, Goblin Slayer Gaiden comes in at number nine. Mm. Interestingly, I'm not a big Goblin Slayer fan. Same. <laughs> but there you go. There you go. Uh, as far as our individual volume sales for this week, Number one, of course, is this 22nd volume of uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Kimetsu no Blah Blah. Uh, Chihaya Furu is, yes, Chihaya Furu did come in at number two, almost 100,000 in sales on that one. Uh, and indeed, we have a new Card Captor Sakura, number three. Queen's Blade, uh, excuse me, Queen's Blade. Now there's a 40 in slip. Uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, eighth volume, comes in at four. Goblin Slayer, 10 at five. That was originally a light novel, right? And they made a manga out of it after it was a light novel. I don't know. I just remember the anime was really, really crass. And five through ten are all Kimetsu no Yaiba volumes. So uh, this week, only seven of the top ten are Kimetsu no Yaiba. There have been weeks when it was the entire top ten was Kimetsu no Yaiba. Uh, one thing I think we see, though, as with Chihaya Furu and Card Capture Sakura, is the importance of new volumes in driving total volume sales. Back issues do sell, 
but when a series has a new volume come out and, and rank in the top five, that almost always takes the takes the franchise itself up near the top of the list. Anime Blu-ray for this week. We have uh, at number one, we have Sword Art Online Alicization, uh, number six. Charlotte, what? which really surprises me, Blu-ray box. Charlotte Blu-ray box came in at number two. I had no idea that series was so popular. Uh, something that makes me feel kind of good actually is uh the millionaire detective yes comes in at number three and i i it's not a series i adore but i really do like it and it's not the sort of series you necessarily expect to see ranking in the blu-ray ranking so i like to see that that came in at number three strike the blood four ova comes in at four anna and the snow queen our old friend number five the two uh, two different versions of the Violent Evergarden come in at six and seven. Uh, Princess Connect Redive at eight. Railgun nine, and then Violent Evergarden four comes in at number ten. So that's anime Blu-ray. Let's look at anime DVD and see what we have here. I'm gonna guess Millionaire Detective will be even higher here because of what I'm thinking the audience is gonna be, and I'm right. Uh, Sword Art Online comes in at number one, and this time Millionaire Detective comes in at number two. Let's just say. This bodes well for the potential of a second season of The Millionaire Detective, which uh, this is a sort of series that probably depends fairly heavily on on disc sales for commercial viability, which is not always the case with anime, but that one in particular probably does. Uh, so that that's a good sign. And on the Snow Queen at number three, as always, my neighbor Totoro, it will only be a story when it's not in the blue on the anime DVD top 10. Uh, number five is the collected works of Hayao Miyazaki. Again, stunning that it's doing so well because it's a very expensive box set. Pet 2, Paw Patrol, uh, then Yahari Volume 1, Limited Edition, and Trolls. And the Weathering With You Standard Edition comes in at number 10. Interesting to see that pop back into the list. And the other thing that uh, we want to talk about, which because it had an interesting thing, and I wanted to take a look at the YouTube chart again and see how our old friend Gotcha is doing. And it only had 3,331,000 views this week. So it popped down to number eight on the on the YouTube chart. So there you go. Uh, so a very interesting week on the Oricon list and a very interesting week. Any thoughts on the Oricon rankings before I jump into the news? Yes, a couple of things. So first of all, Cardcaptor Sucker, a clear card. Interesting that that's still going. I don't know what your thoughts were, but I dropped off the anime and was severely disappointed with what we got there. So I guess Clamp's still trucking along there, huh? Oh, yeah. Clamp is definitely still trucking along. And I knew the manga was ongoing. I actually had never really read that manga. Um, so I, I, I watched the anime at first. And it was it was okay. But I will say, yeah, it, it didn't really... It, it didn't really... I was hoping for more. Same. Uh, just because, you know, you had a very good director, the original director over at Madhouse. and But it just felt like they were acting like the same as they did when they were in, in grade school. They just stuck them in middle school uniforms. You know, that's it, it didn't feel like anything had evolved and anything had changed. Yep. And that, that kind of disappointed me. But again, the reason it ranked is because it has a new volume out. And the volume nine did. So volume nine sold 77,000 which was enough to get it number three, which is, you know, that's a good, strong first week. So there's definitely still an audience for that. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, just just to be clear, 
20 volume 22 of uh Kimetsu sold 282,000 copies and that's mm. probably that's probably been on this chart for at least 6 or 7 weeks. So that just gives you a kind of context. But still 77,000, I mean that's a good first week. So, you know, Sakura still rocking. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I wanted to say is uh Jujutsu no Kaisen is I think the evidence of the power of anime as an advertising medium. And I suspect that some of the jump that we saw with Kimitsu no Yaiba was due to the anime as well. Yeah. And I think this bodes well for the anime medium and for full adaptations, right? Because if more anime keep getting boosts like this, they'll be uh, giving their manga counterparts the boosts that we're seeing here, then that will result in more uh, series for us, which is exciting for me. And then the final thing, really quick, is uh, Fugo Keiji. I'm excited. I hope we get a second season. I enjoyed that quite a bit. So Yeah, I, I can't say how pleasantly surprised I am to see that ranking so well on, on the disc charts. That that was a series I frankly would have expected to tank commercially. Uh, so I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised to see that ranking, especially on the Blu-ray side. I thought it might do okay on DVD. My suspicion was that a lot of the audience for that series was going to be women. Mm. Uh, but usually when you see a series rank that high in the Blu-ray charts, it has a, a pretty big male audience too. That That's not as true as it used to be, but it's still true to a certain extent. So very pleasantly surprised by that. Absolutely. And uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, yeah, it's going to be a big hit. I don't think there's any question that Kimetsu got a big boost from the anime too. Uh, it's probably not going to be as big a hit as Kimetsu, but that's a high bar since Kimetsu is the biggest hit in right. the history of the medium. So uh, let's talk about some other anime news stories. And the first one I wanted to talk about is because it's it's something that's come up before. Uh, but if you go to, uh, I got this from twinengine.com, uh, but you can find this story elsewhere. There is a Vinland Saga talk show. Uh, going to be held on the 21st of October. Well, actually, it's going to be held on the 28th of October. And this, you know, it's going to be in Japanese, so maybe it won't be of limited interest to some of our audience, although it will be on YouTube. And if you go to uh, if you go to Vinland Saga News on TwinEngine.com, TwinEngine.jp, excuse me, you can find a story about this. The reason I wanted to mention it, though, is not so much that the talk show, it's going to have the director and a couple of the actors. There's something that often happens when these talk shows occur. Can you guess what that might be, Setsuken? Season two announcement. It's getting stronger and stronger and stronger with the teases, the Twitter stuff. I feel it in my bones. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. And I think the two most common places you see New season announcements are at anime conventions is one, and uh, these kind of talk show events is the other. So the timing of this, given uh, the Troll Sensei, the director, given his uh, given his tweet from a couple weeks ago, the timing of this event is uh, is very very curious. Yes, and we're never we're not. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to add more fuel to the fire. So I actually started following the mangaka Vinland Saga, uh, Saga on Twitter. And he has been, in his Twitter bio, he actually says, um, uh, I am serializing the manga of the Vinland Saga anime, which I found very interesting. And he just recently tweeted about a new volume coming out and he referenced the anime. So 
I don't think we would be getting this much activity and this much of a, a shout out to the anime if it wasn't something that was in imminent, I feel like. Boy, I sure hope so. I, I sure hope so. Because uh, it, it was, it's the in my opinion, the best anime of the last three years, I would say, is Vinland Saga. That's where I would rank it. Uh, I had it in my top 20 list for the decade, I think at number 16 or something, but I think it's the best anime of 18, 19, 20, I would say. Do you, do, would you agree with that? Or is that something that's hard for you to do off the top of your head? No, I would definitely agree. Vinland Saga, like I close my eyes and like not even hesitate. It's one of the best anime ever, probably for me. Wow. It's in that top 10 ranking. Right. Um, and uh, I will say on the mangaka, two warnings don't look at the pictures that he posts of the manga volumes because spoilers. But I also appreciate that he did not um, actually, the way he cropped out the image, you can't actually see the manga volume, just his hand. So um, he is very nice about that. And he's very cognizant about the fact that maybe a lot of his fans, uh, because he tweeted in both English and Japanese, might not be up to date with the manga yet. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's that's always nice when they do that, and I think, they, I mean, this, of course, this is a licensed manga, but it's not as far along in English as it is in Japanese, so it's nice yep. that they show some consideration for for their Western fans. So I would put the odds at probably fifty fifty that there's an announcement at this event hmm. because the timing is just too perfect. I think better than fifty fifty. I've come to believe better than fifty fifty overall that it'll happen. But I think 50-50 that it happens at this event. So when we when we get together again next week, we'll know. So because uh, it's going to happen on Wednesday. So hopefully, no, actually Tuesday. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully it's good news. Hopefully it's good news. The next thing we want to talk about, and this is something we never talk about on our podcast, but that's Kimetsu no Yaiba. Uh, so I wanted to <laughs> I want to talk about Kimetsu. Just because uh, this this has never happened in the history of anime, this week Kimetsu no Yaiba topped the entire global box office. Uh, now, it might have gotten a little a little push from the fact that a lot of countries have a have much smaller global box or box office than normal because of COVID, and Japan has less restrictions than most countries. Nevertheless, this movie. Uh, which sold 3,420,000 tickets in Japan in its first three days, which is a tremendous, basically like uh, 3% of the country bought a ticket to see this movie in its first three days in the theater, uh, which when you think about it is is a, an incredible number. And on top of that, so it, it set a new record for for uh, for Japanese domestic box office over that short term. It also became the first anime to lead worldwide box office on any on any single day. Not even your name did that. And then on top of all that, it also led the TV ranking chart this week because there was a, a one of the uh, I think it was like a compilation. The compilation movie is I think what it was pulled some kind of ridiculous 16.7 ranking uh, and blew Sazai-san and all the other usual top anime TV ranking contenders out of the water. And it's also on top of the manga chart. And I, I think at this point, it there are literally in the realm of anime and manga, there are less things that Kimetsu is not leading than things that it is. It's, it's, it's literally on top of almost everything. And as soon as whatever come new box set or DVD or Blu-ray 
the minute it releases one of those, it'll be on top of that chart too. So I just, I, I we hate to carp on this, but what this franchise is doing is absolutely just astounding. Yes, it is. Um, and I'm one of those people that's in on the fever. I actually got, uh, I had pre-ordered the, the, the first part of the Blu-ray for the series, um, which is episodes one to 13. And I just got that in the mail the other day. So I'm on this train, the hype train, as it were, which is different from the movie, which also talks about trains in some reason. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad. Um, just wait till it, I'm curious to see how it does once it gets released in the U.S. and other places next year. Uh, might be a second win for it. Isn't it, it? This never showed up in on Cartoon Network, did it? It never got on Adult Swim or anything like that? They, they haven't done that? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's it's actually been released outside of Funimation and Crunchyroll, I think. Yeah, you would think Cartoon Network would love to get their hands on this show. I wonder. And that would that would be good for everybody, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would. You'd think that'll happen at some point. It's a little bit more adult for Cartoon Network, though, I feel like. No, I mean, they, but they've showed a lot of a lot of the stuff they show on Cartoon Network. Don't forget, this is like 1130 at night. I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, so, I mean, they've had stuff like uh, like Berserk and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but anyway, Kimetsu, I know we talk about you a lot, but I just think when history is being made, it behooves us as anime commentators to, to comment on it, right? And this thing mm-hmm. is, is making history for sure. Uh, a couple of other things. Let's talk about just a couple quick new series announcements. Uh, Wotakoi has an OVA coming on the 26th of, uh, on the 26th of uh, February. And did you watch Wotakoi, Setsuken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I liked it too. I liked it quite a lot. And it's got an OVA coming. This is from our friends at Anime News Network. Alex Pateo did this one. Uh, coming with the 10th volume of the manga on the 26th of February. Really, I think a very winning a very winning romantic comedy about adults, nay? Yeah, yeah. And anime, working adults who are into anime manga and geek stuff like that. Yeah, which I love. It's like there's, it really dealt, I think, quite effectively with the way adults have to deal with the potential social stigma, uh, which is not as great as it used to be, but it was a lot of fun. I wish there had actually been more romance in it, frankly. Mm. Um, That's my only complaint is, especially with the main couple, the romance angle was not played up as much as I would have liked, but maybe if there were a second season at some point, we'd get more of that. I don't know where the manga goes. Another new series announcement is World Trigger. Uh, World Trigger second season is coming January second, and uh, so for if you're fans of World Trigger, are uh, you're kind of a fan of World Trigger, aren't you? I used to be, but then they did that whole filler thing and toy the way they animated it in the One Piece style, where there's ten minutes of. Uh, uh, recap and then five minutes of an episode and then the episode was over i i kind of lost interest so i fell off if you guys are still watching cool uh the people who are let me know if season two is good i will take another look that's kind of where i am with it i i, I liked it for a while and kind of just drifted away from it um but anyway so that's coming uh next year uh winter 2021 january 2nd in fact is the premiere uh, we want to let our friends know that the uh, Great Pretender, 
The remainder of Great Pretender is finally coming to Netflix outside of Japan on the 25th of November, uh, which, uh, you know, that's a strong contender for my favorite series of 2020. I still have two episodes left to go just because with a new season, it's been hard to get to those. But, uh, you know, I, I actually really liked episode 21. I think it set up the finale pretty well. Uh, this is a show uh, I could conceivably see getting another season. I don't know how it ends and don't spoil us, but if the ending allows for it, I could easily see this show getting another season. I think it's been a big winner for Netflix as far as uh, stream counts and stuff. So if you guys are not in Japan and have not chosen to access this anime through any other capacity, you can get it officially on Netflix on November 25th. So good news. There. Yes, yes. I've been waiting for this one. I've been really stealing myself because I've been tempted, so tempted to just bite the bullet and then just like watch it. But I've been waiting, so I'm excited. Me and my wife are probably going to blast through all the episodes as soon as they come out here. And November is looking to be an exciting month because it's my birthday. The PlayStation 5 is coming out and we're getting great pretender. So And an, and an election. Just for the record, <laughs> can I can I forget about that one? Well, I, I, I yeah, we, we won't go down that road. But I just want that to be over so I can stop yes. worrying about it. Uh, yep. Another new announcement of sorts is the uh, which surprised me and didn't surprise me. Surune, the uh, the Kyoto Kyoto Animation series about archery, is getting a movie uh, and sort of ties into the idea that Kyoto Animation will give sequels and movies to anything except the show they really should, which is Hyoka. Oh. But uh, I think the reason being that they don't own Hyoka and they like to give sequels and movies to things that they own, like Violet Evergarden and Surinay. So uh, the thing that, the only thing that surprised me, first of all, again, it, another sign Kyoto Animation's workload is ramping back up to normal, which I think is a fantastic thing. I liked Surune actually more than I like most Kyoto animation shows. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was particularly popular as Kyoto animation series go. They tend to be more popular than most on average. And I didn't think this one did exceptionally well, but it almost feels like if you look back at all the Kyoto animation properties of the last 10 or 12 years, the vast majority of which are light novels or things that they own the, the rights to and don't have to do any production committee bullshit more of them get sequels than don't. Wouldn't you say that's true, Setsuken? Yes, yes, they do. And for Sarune specifically, I just thought it was free with the uh, Archery Boys. Is that accurate? Or That's what I was worried it was going to be, but I don't think that's what it was. Oh, okay. So I should go take a look then? Well, here's the thing with Sarune. It's kind of an it's kind of a odd duck with me because it it's the very rare anime series that I started to blog dropped and then picked back up again, which almost never happens. I think in the whole 10 years plus I've been doing LIA, I've probably done that with maybe two or three shows. And I wa I blogged about four episodes and I was like, eh, and I was starting to get that free vibe a little too strongly and I just dropped it. And then I, but I kept watching it. And then a couple of really good episodes happened and I'm like, you know what? I really need to be blogging this again. So I picked it back up and uh, I really like it. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, there's a wonderful relationship in this series between uh, one of the students who's basically the protagonist and the, uh, the, the priest at the local Shinto shrine who's an, who's an archery 
you know, an, a professional archer basically and ends up being like a coach. And I, one of the things that I love about Serena, there, there, it has its flaws. And like most Kyoto animation shows, it, it gets pretty pandery a lot of the time. Mm, yep. Yep. I know what you mean. But it does have a wonderful mentor relationship between, uh, between a, a teenage male and an adult with no, uh, un, you know, nothing else suggestive about it. It's just like a, a kid who's had some struggles in his life and an adult who is in a position to offer him some guidance and some support. And that relationship for me made the series a good series. It just because that type of relationship, A, is so rare in anime and B, that relationship was really, really well portrayed here. A lot of the rest of it, I'm indifferent, but it's definitely far more substantial and, and, and interesting to me than free, uh, which to me is, is I'm not, I'm not a fan of free. I don't think you are either. That's fine if you are, but I've got a, I've got a funny story about free hit it. So, um, me and my friend for uh, my college roommate who I got to know through anime actually. So he, I, I actually told him that I was going to watch the series and I think we watched the first episode or two. And then I said, oh yeah, I'm totally going to finish this series half jokingly. And he said, okay, then I'll finish it too. And so he went through and he finished, I think the first season and I did not. So that was, that yeah. was pretty funny to me. And then he was kind of pissed off and was like, well, I forced myself to watch through all that. Cause you said we were going to finish it. And I was like, uh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. That was- free. wasn't that good to me. Because we know what free is, and I, I I do think uh, the female demographic needs and 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 people who you know just like to look at the the male form can can enjoy that stuff. But that's not that's not what I watch anime for. Yeah, and the the only thing I like about free is how pissed off people were because when free came out originally, the first free. It was the first KyoAni show that it was really about guys in the eye candy role rather than girls, and a lot of the very very entitled Kyoto Animation male fans were apoplectic about this. And I loved that part of it because it's like those people have they were acting so proprietorial, like they owned the studio, like they they should only cater to them. I'm like, well, f that, let them cater to whoever they want. Uh, so that aspect of free I liked. Unfortunately, the show itself it it didn't do much for me. But yep. speaking speaking of free, there was an interesting story this week about Viz Media removing free anime videos from uh, from their website. Apparently, I was not even really aware of this, but Viz used to offer free Hulu streams on a lot of their shows, like Hunter Hunter, for example, Sailor Moon, uh, mostly older titles. Uh, and they took these down this week and uh, directed people now to Crunchyroll and Funimation. Uh, and Netflix to pay for them. So what do you make of this story, Setsuki? And it's kind of interesting in its own way. I feel like Hulu might be cooling off the uh, the anime presence there. And I think One Punch Man, actually, when it first originally aired, was Hulu exclusive week by week. So I got a Hulu subscription then, and then I canceled it promptly after. But I think Hulu, just as a service, probably doesn't make a lot of sense, especially because they have the HBO Max thing going on or Warner Brothers uh, does so i have a feeling that hulu is on its way out or uh will 
Oh wait, no, that that doesn't make sense because Hulu is, I think, related to Disney. Mm. Um, I might be confusing them, but uh, there's so many streaming services right now, and more popping up. I just don't think Hulu, with its business model of you get to pay and you also get ads and all that other stuff is going to survive for much longer. Well, we'll see. Uh, Speaking of streaming, let's talk about another interesting story, which is Netflix, which I think we can both agree is, is ramping up its anime presence for sure. They have announced another series of partnerships with anime studios, this time NAS, uh, which is did ID invaded Science Saru, which is, of course, Yuasa's studio, although he's leaving Science Saru. MAPA, which is the horror studio that will do anything you throw at them as long as you write the checks, but does some good work nonetheless. And Studio Mir, which a lot of anime fans may not know. They're a Korean studio, but they're well known for working with uh, the Avatar series. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, Avatar The Legend of Korra. And they also did Voltron Legendary Defender. So Netflix has already had uh, some partnerships. They've already announced some some production partnerships with like IG and Wit and and Bones and stuff. So I think we just what the the the, the takeaway here is just is Netflix is they like what they're seeing anime financially and and they they want a bigger piece of it uh, and they're and they're digging in deeper. Yeah, and that's exciting for anime fans, I think, because um, at least in terms of franchise treatment and getting extra seasons and completed stories everything except for the release schedule i think netflix does a really good job so it'll be exciting to see how that all works out um i'm excited for this um and i i enjoy all the anime that netflix produces some of it more than others but if we get another great pretender um i'll be super excited and i hope amazon jumps on this as well because amazon for a while was also funding some really great stuff and i don't know if people have been watching stuff like the boys uh which is an amazon original series which i just finished with my wife recently in the live action space western wise uh amazon is doing some really good things so Mm. both of these companies uh them being more involved with anime would be nice yeah, I, I think Amazon is doing some good stuff on the live action front, and it does seem like they've cooled on the anime side for whatever reason. Maybe maybe they feel like Netflix has sort of outflanked them. I would like to see them involved more, but what I really do want to see is maybe they feel this is out of their control or maybe they just don't care, but I really do want to see more of this Netflix money make its way to the actual studios and then to the actual people who, who make the anime, the animators, and so far that's not happening. And that's the disconnect right now is, yes, Netflix-funded anime get more money and they have better production schedules, but the animators who work on them are still getting the same slave wages that they get working on any other show because all the money is getting siphoned off to, to pay off corporate debt and going to you know the various higher-ranking places on the production committee ladder, and that has to change. Uh, maybe Netflix doesn't care as long as it works for them, but that's where Netflix involvement in anime production really has to have an impact that it hasn't yet had. Uh, if, but you know, and, and like you said, if we get another great pretender, that's great. I don't like everything Netflix has, has funded by any stretch of the imagination, but at least it's different than the typical anime production schedule 
for most stuff that we see in a to the traditional production committee model, Netflix is doing some different stuff. What what they're trying to do, not always successfully, but the sort of stuff they're trying to produce is thematically and genre wise, it's it's different from most anime, which I think is good because more diversity is what the medium needs desperately right now. So, yes, more uh, more Netflix is good, and this is a related story I want to talk about. Actually, this is from Anime News Network. Also, uh, this is from Alex Mateo as well. Alex is, again, intruding on Rafael Antonio Pineda's space. We got to watch out, Rafael. Um, this story is Nippon TV establishes anime department. So this was kind of interesting to me. Nippon TV is, for those of you who don't know, is a huge uh, multi multimedia entertainment conglomerate in Japan. They own Madhouse Studios, among other things now. Uh, they also own Hulu Japan. I agree. And the fact that they're, they own Hulu Japan is, I think, interesting because they're, I think this is like future proofing because anime is starting to become a big commodity, especially with companies like Netflix and stuff like that. And the fact that they own some of the streaming pie and they have one of the best studios in Japan with the Madhouse, I think we can easily say that they're one of the better studios there. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, they, them also investing in this industry would be good. And I, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think when we started the podcast, we remember that I think Silver Link got bought by one of the big uh, conglomerates yeah, as well. they did. I think NTV, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not 100% sure. Right, right. I think so. Um, so it, it, this might be just a movement that's happening, some consolidation and bigger corporations kind of uh, eating up a lot of these studios, which is, I think, good for the studios because there's some job security there. And when you're part of a bigger corporation, maybe you're not as free to do whatever you want, but then you also get to eat and have job stability and paychecks and stuff like that. And I'm always in favor of that as well. And I think there will be upstart studios and things that come out as well as things go on. Yeah, the the interesting thing to me about this is that it's it's not even so much about... I mean, they already own two animation studios, so they're definitely huge in that market, but this is an actual corporate restructure. So it's going to be very interesting to see within the existing corporation, there didn't used to be an anime department. Now there is an anime department. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they intend to do with this. But if it leads to ultimately another angle that can bypass the traditional production committee system, that to me would be a huge positive. And I think that could be a potential side effect of this. That's what I would like to see. Uh, so there you go. There's that last, last news story I want to talk about this week is, uh, last news story I want to talk about this week is Lupin the third kicking ass on Rotten Tomatoes. This of course is on RottenTomatoes.com. That's where you would go. It's at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the new Lupin the third, the first movie, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the very impressive CGI in this. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's only seven reviews so far, but you know, some good reviews like Variety and Japan Times, some very interesting uh, reviewers out there have given this movie really good scores and it seems to be doing very well with the public as well. So Lupin the Third, the first, you're a bigger Lupin the Third fan than me, Setsuken. What, what are your thoughts on this? I confess when I heard about this, I was, I was kind of lukewarm on it. I was excited and I was going to check it out. But this definitely shot up my anticipation for this and i really wish it wasn't one of those movies that was being released in theaters first and then digital 
but whenever the digital thing comes out, I think it's soon. We talked about it last week. I'll definitely watch it and I'll report back. But this is exciting. Um, I want more anime to dominate in the CGI space as well. And I think with the proper budget and the proper property like Lupin the Third, it can do really well. So this is exciting. Yeah, I'm not a huge CGI fan, but it is getting better. There's no question about it. We're, we're seeing some real some real progress being made with stuff like Beastars and uh, Hoseki and and now on the in the cinematic space. So, you know, there will always be Ghost in the Shell stuff to remind us of how how awful CGI can be when it's not properly used, but uh this is this is an inevitable evolution in the future. It's it's happening. So, you know, the better anime gets at it, the better it is for anime, right? So, there you go. Loop on the 3rd. Uh, and uh, that is our news segment for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. But we have a little bit more to go. It's a very special time of year. Uh, the time of year when Christmas music starts up. No, no, that's not what we want to talk about, though. It's There's another holiday coming up before. Well, there's a couple if you live in America. But there's one very important holiday, both America and Japan, coming up before Christmas. And maybe it would be nice for us to give a nod to that. Yes, I was going to do a maniacal laugh, but I'm not good at maniacal laughter, so I'll let I'll let somebody edit that in later. Uh, it's Halloween time. It's uh, almost Halloween, and Halloween is one of those holidays that is very popular both in Japan and the United States. This year, of course, I think Halloween is going to be a bit uh, a bit different than it normally is. Probably, I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of trick or treating going on. I certainly wouldn't want to let my kids go trick or treating this year. And Halloween parties in like Sunset Boulevard and uh, in Shibuya, I would have to think those would those would be toned down. Again, I'm not I'm not going to any Halloween parties this year. I don't know who is, but. It's still Halloween, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a great time of year to talk about a very special segment of anime that we don't talk about much, which is horror anime, scary anime, and I, I love horror anime. How do you feel, Satsuken? Yeah, I enjoy it a lot more than horror movies. I would say. Yeah, I I, I think because anime horror it tends to be a little more stylish. I mean, and less graphic, although. I mean, there's, you know, Japanese horror is a, is a certainly a very, very popular, very, very popular genre, as you know. I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest with you, because it's frankly a little too scary for me. Hmm. Um, stuff like, uh, stuff like, there's some really, really freaky stuff, but even the Satoko stuff and stuff like that, I'm not like a huge fan of that. It, it's, 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 it's very unnerving. But I do love some horror anime, and I thought what would be a good way to do this uh, as we get ready to celebrate, if, hey, if we can't go trick or treating, let's let's uh, let's hope for some anime horror in our in our in our in our in our goodie bags here. So let's talk each about a couple of different, not even necessarily horror anime, but just anime that which were scary or unnerving or uh, in just generally fit the motif. Uh, let's, let's each talk about a couple that we really like, and, uh, then we can respond to those. So I'll let you go first if you're ready, uh, and uh, hit me with your first thematically seasonal scary anime. What would you like to talk about? Yeah. The first one I'll say is ghost hunt. And this is the one that I mentioned to people the most, cause I feel like it's the most under underrated. And this series actually came out. In I believe it was the early two. No, it was originally 
Yeah, I think it was the early 2000s, but I might be wrong there. I know the the original light novels came out in 1984. So this series uh, was a light novel adaptation before light novels became what they are today. So it's a, it's a very fun 25-episode series. It's about this uh, duo of uh, exorcists, investigators, uh, psychic investigators, and they're basically going around and exercising ghosts. And it, it, it's a little scary at times, but it's more of a fun series that you can enjoy and watch. And I used to be really into horror and scary stuff. And some of the series I mentioned will fit that bill. But this is a, this is a nice palette, easy palette one for people to just kind of kick back and enjoy. And if you didn't see this in 2006, it was that it came out, um, then, then I think you'll have a good time. Did you ever watch... Ghost hunt. You know, it's funny. As soon as you, as soon as I had a suspicion that we were talking about this topic, I I was trying to think to myself, because I, I know Ghost Hunt is is like one of the most popular, and you say underrated. I it is underrated, but I think I think a lot of people still know about it. I was trying to think, have I seen this? And I, I kept I kept going back and forth in my mind. Have I seen Ghost Hunt? Have I not? And I I it's like I remember the series, but I don't. So I have a suspicion that I watched eight or ten episodes of it at some point and and kind of mostly forgot about it. But it does look pretty good, actually. And, uh, I, you know, I think I will I would probably like to go back and see it at some point. I, I probably have to sit down and really watch it. Um, but, yeah, Ghost Hunt. I, I, I don't know it well, but I feel like I've seen it. I wish I could give you a more direct answer than that. Yeah, and the only reason I say it's underrated is because it never got a full adaptation, mm. didn't complete the story, but it ended at a good point at the end of season one. I just wanted to see more because you really get attached to these characters by the end. All right, so as long as we're going with Ghost H, and I'll, I'll jump to the head of my list. I'll go with my own Ghost H pick, which is Ghost Hound, uh, which is uh, a production IG series from the greatest anime year of all time, 2007. That was written by Shiro, the same the same writer who came up with the Ghost in the Shell franchise, uh, and I really love Ghost Town. It's again, I, talk about underrated. I think this is a series that's seriously underrated. It deals with uh, it's it's psychological horror. I think it's fair to say there is a supernatural element here, but there's also a science element, and and it's science fictiony, but it's horry and it's, it has a Japanese Shinto theme to it, and I just. The word I want to apply to Ghost Hound is creepy. This series is so mm. creepy. It does an incredible job because partially because of the sound, the sound direction, the sound design is incredible. Uh, it's a series that I heartily, heartily recommend you listen to with earphones because it really, the sound is so important to this and it's so, it, it's such a immersive sound that the a soundtrack and it, just the sound effects and if you listen to this with headphones, it really, really freaks you out. Um, I love Ghost Town. I think it's very underrated. It's very artistic. Uh, it ha- but it still has good characters and it has a nice human story side of it too. I-, I really recommend this series a lot. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. I've seen it and I actually didn't finish it for some reason. I don't know why. I think I was just not in the mood for something very creepy at the time. And like you said, it does the psychological horror aspect really really well and i think one of the most unnerving things for me was the the girl mm. uh the main girl in the cast well her name is i think miyako 
if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way she kind of behaves, if I remember correctly, was really, she's kind of really weird and creepy and stuff like that. <laughs> she she is weird. She is. There's some question about um, she her she's involved with the Shinto side of it, right? And there's some there's some question of reincarnation gets tied into this and. She is a creepy character. I like her though. I also think the main character here is really, um, really a likable kid. Yeah, he is. He's and he's just kind of a he's a very Moe character. You know, he's like you just want to protect him, kind of a kind of a character, which is what <laughs> Moe actually means. Uh, but it's he's 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 likable in that he has a certain sort of a plucky. Uh, plucky courage that he uh, that he takes to uh, and this is let's just be clear this is a kid who life has not been kind to I think that would be a fair statement yes so uh, but it's a good story it's, it's a really good story I, and just it's production IG from the glory days of production IG you know 2007 they did Seiray No More Vito they did Ghost Town they had a they had a great year among many studios having great years in 2007 and this is another one of those series that looks and sounds incredible even today, even despite the fact that it's, you know, almost 15 years old now. And I've rewatched it a couple times and I'm sure we'll rewatch it again. It's a great one. So that's my first pick, Ghost Hound. What is your next pick? Okay, so my next pick is a actual horror series, I feel like. And that's Alpha and Lead or Alpha and Lied, whichever yep. one is. We talked about this before. I don't know what the I don't know title either. is. Yep. But yeah. Just watch the first few minutes and you'll get a taste of what this show is about. Um, it opens up very, very dramatically, to say the least. Um, the story, I, I've i heard that the anime and the manga diverge quite a bit. I am going to recommend the anime because that's what I've seen. And I think it has an anime original ending. So it resolves things pretty nicely. But I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's It's got... A lot of tragedy in it, which you'll see often with horror. There's obviously uh, it's science fiction horror, so it's not like uh, uh, ghosts or mo- mo- there is monsters and stuff like that. But it's 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 more around that, and I think it it unnerves you in a lot of ways. There's the cruelty aspect to it, which I think effective horror like The Ring, I think, is a good example of this mm. in uh, Western media. There's a, there's that undercurrent of cruelty that fuels the horror and the rage that you see in the series. And I think Elfin Light is a good 13 episode, or is it 11 episodes? I don't even remember. But it goes by really fast. Yeah, I'll, it's, 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 it's a piece of work. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in there. It's a, it's a piece of work. It's a piece of work, boy, I'll tell you. That first five minutes, you don't forget those, do you? No, no, you don't. And and I mean, it's it's a very. I feel like it's very horror in the same way that you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is, yeah. or any of that that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, if you're looking for that kind of stuff, go for it. Yeah, there's a lot of series that in this category which we're going to talk about. Which may I mean, I don't really think Ghost Hound is a horror series. Uh, it's just a suspensey, creepy series. Elfin Light is horror. There, there, there's no, we don't have to fudge with the with with demographic or genre barriers here. This is a horror series, flat out. Have you seen Gokoku no Brynhildr? Yes, you have. We've talked about Gokoku. Yes, the same author as uh, as Elfin Light, Okamoto Lin. Um, it's it's definitely. Uh, I describe Gokoku as uh, as a comedy posing as a horror series. That's kind of how I look at it. 
Um, and I think that, I think that that's, uh, I think that's basically what it is. And it's, 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 I personally think kind of underrated. A lot of people really rip on Goku, uh, Goku, Coco, no Hilder. I think it's, I think it's a shitload of fun personally. Um, and campy. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. I, I think Brynhildr is like, I think Elfenlide on, antidepressants or at least a little bit of a more uh, controlled mood there because often lied you will not feel great no uh watching it but renhilder there's there's moments of levity it's it's got it's got some moments of generally heartwarming stuff that you know makes you feel good at times and obviously there's some darkness there as well but i i, I almost think that brynhilder is probably the more in some ways, it's almost a better series in some ways because it's it's relying less on shock factor and leaning more on the characters and stuff like that. But I wouldn't recommend it as like if something if you're in the mood for horror. No, Brynhildr is more of like a general purpose thing that you can watch whenever. Yeah, exactly. It's like I said, it's a it's a comedy that's dressed up in horror series clothing, whereas Elfenlight is legitimately it's dark, it's horror, it's just it's it's yeah. It's bloody. It's despairing. It's yeah. It's 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 full on. Okay, my next pick is Shiki, uh, which honestly, when I when I think about horror anime, there's a lot of things that 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 you could put on this list, but this is the first one that came to mind for me. It's a it's a vampire series, but there's other elements to it, and it's uh, it's it's pleasantly. Pleasantly creepy, pleasantly dark, very atmospheric. Plot-wise, there's some things that sort of drive me crazy, if I'm honest, but I can sort of tolerate that because I think it really delivers a comprehensive anime horror experience in a very, very positive way. Uh, this was a, this was a Noitamina series, actually, came way back in the day. Uh, when Noitamina was really doing some interesting stuff. And I thought it was really interesting that Noitamina was doing a horror series. I was like, well, why, why is Noitamina doing horror? But then after I watched the series, I feel like I sort of got it. Uh, I really like, I really like Shiki. I think it's also from a, from the standpoint of production, which is kind of surprising because it's by Daum, which is not like a big, famous, really well-known high quality anime studio. They've mostly done more kind of middle-class stuff. But I think the production values on this series are, for the most part, quite good as well. I think it's really fun to look at, too. Yes, it is. This series, man, if you're talking about dark, the atmosphere in this series and the music, everything from the opening through the to the sound design, it just screams like dark and depressing in a way that I think really fits with the with the classic moniker of what vampires are supposed to be not any of this like twilight stuff these are not twink vampires these are these are old school these are old school existential despair vampires yeah and a lot of the 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 stuff that happens to the characters in this series there's no happy ending for some of them there's a lot of tragedy in here and i think that really 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 elevates this i think if if you hadn't mentioned it i would have mentioned that this is probably the best vampire anime story and it's based off of an original novel not a light novel an original novel so i think that has to do with some of the more almost at times shakespearean tone that some of the story goes for yeah yeah i could i could definitely see that in fact it's funny you mentioned shakespearean because i remember 
I this was literally like my first year of blogging anime. So I remember a lot of my posts on this show quite well because I was really learning how to do the job. But one of the things that kept striking me when I was uh, covering Shiki was that it was a tragedy. And the definition of a tragedy is you you know how it ends the the but but the point is the pathos how does it get there it's not a suspense series in the sense there's suspenseful moments but it's not a suspenseful series in the sense of oh what's going to happen blah 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 it's really like this is a tragedy we're watching playing out and we know it's a tragedy and the artistic merit in the series is watching the watching the tragedy play out uh which i think is very shakespearean and i think it's it that was a very good call on your part to say shakespearean because i think that definitely applies to it for sure Whereas I think something like Elf and Lied, there's a little more suspense to that. Um, whereas I think Shiki is just, it is a tragedy. It's a, it's horror tragedy is what it is. It's horror tragedy. And these are real vampires, old school vampires, which I love. Yeah, and don't watch this series if you're in the mood for an uplifting or exciting thing. No, 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 no. This is a slow descent into darkness. Yeah. And it's a very well done descent into darkness yeah if i was gonna pick one if someone said like i said this was the first series that came to mind for me and if someone said what's a good anime horror series and i mean real horror i would say go watch shiki that would be the one i would pick uh okay what's next for you so since you mentioned vampires i was gonna mention helsing so i'll just mention it in passing i won't comment on it too much i'm gonna go for high school of the dead and I think we both watched this series. I don't know if you liked it or not. You can tell me in a little bit. It was okay. It was okay. I I think that's that's about that's about good for it. It's a very pulpy, uh, crass at times uh, zombie flick, and it's zombie flick with super powered high school students. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's really fun and thrilling. And for people who are a fan of zombie related things, I think if you're looking for something like that with an anime flavor to it. The, the 11 to 12 episodes are pretty good. Uh, don't watch the fan service OVAs. I don't think they're great. But I was actually surprised this never got a second season. And I think it was more so to do with the fact that the manga just went in on a hiatus and has never resumed. But this isn't for everyone. Uh, uh, it, there's, there's a lot of like fan service that I think is borderline stupid. I wouldn't even say it's like crass. It's just stupid. Like there's a, a shot in the anime where there's a bullet that goes by female breasts at, in slow motion. Stupid stuff like that. I mean, if you can tolerate that, I think this is a fun zombie thing that you can watch. And there aren't many zombie anime that are very good, honestly, in anime. Yeah, anime tried to cash in on the zombie on the zombie uh, craze just like every other medium did. Not too successfully for the most part. Zombieland Saga, of course, in recent times is one that people will talk about as being uh, highly successful. And I kind of feel a very different series from High School of the Dead, but kind of on the same level with me. Some stuff there that amused me, uh, some interesting stuff on the whole, nothing nothing too spectacular. I think your description of High School of the Dead is pretty much on the, on the, on the spot. You have to deal with a lot of tropiness, but there are some nice elements too. And there are times in this series that I have to confess I found it very funny, uh, so which I always yes. appreciate. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's about the, the good size of it. Uh, all right. My last, my last pick for my trio is, uh, one I, I, I contemplated putting Shinsekai Yori on here because it has some great horror elements to it. I thought about some other series that I could easily put here, like Blood Plus would have been a good pick, but I went with another, 
Uh, and uh, all right, let's caveat up front. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna spoil what happens, but in terms of my opinion about what happens, I'm gonna spoil. So if you don't want to hear that, you can jump ahead. But another, let's caveat. Let's stipulate for the record to the judge. Uh, put in the court record. The ending sucks. It totally jumps the shark, in my opinion. It's it's a horrific, in a bad way, ending. But for several episodes, I think Another is a great anime horror series. It's really scary. It's really suspenseful. It has some some nice mystery elements. Uh, it just works. It's campy, but it's 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 still scary in a campy way, and it, it's campy in a very kind of in an annoying way. It's not unintentionally campy. It's just that's just the vibe. And I think for a, like maybe as much as eight or nine episodes, I think this series was really, really good. Uh, I really loved the, uh, you know, I think the suspense was genuine. I think the scares were really scary. Uh, it, 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 again, great sound design, it, it really nice atmospheric, but it, it lost the plot at the end. Boy, did it lose the plot. Ugh, did it lose the plot? And uh, that's a shame because, like I said, I, I really I kind of love it for a while, but it just it doesn't end well. But it's still worth watching because a lot of the early material, at least half the series, in my opinion, is is really good. Uh, so that's that's my third pick is because I think it really is a legit horror anime. Is another yeah, it's funny you mentioned the ending because that's the thing I remember the most about this series. And I do remember that I was disappointed with the ending, but I was disappointed with the ending because of how good it was in the early episodes. Sure. Um, and the way it built up the mystery. And there's a there's a very creepy doll motif, I believe, mm, in this series. Yes, there is. Yes. And dolls are scary. Dolls are scary, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Hellgirl and a few other things do uh, have a similar vibe. And there's a lot of reds in this series i remember distinctly the visuals there's a lot of red here so i think it does all of that really well but i i actually don't remember what the ending was i think i blocked it out or something but i do remember not liking it so yeah i i think it might be worth a, a shot it's also uh what was it animated by i remember that the animation was oh, pretty uh, it's P pa works and it's beautiful it's beautiful series i mean it this is when pa works was really on top of their game and this was a change for them to do this sort of a series and it was really fun to see pa works take on a on a really dark as you said a lot of red blood red horror pa works did a great job with that and it's a light novel adaptation that Guardian Enzo actually doesn't hate. So there's that. Yeah, it's true. Although I do hate the ending. Um, but yes, there were some of those. I could, in fact, have put another one on here. Boogie Pop would have been another one I could have put on the list. It's another light on oh, novel adaptation yeah. I like. But again, Boogie Pop, those light novels are from a different era in light novels, when light novels were something very different than what they are now. And I think you could even say that about another to an extent. Yeah. Um, and let me just say, my mom had a doll collection, and dolls are really fucking scary. There's there's no question about that. <laughs> um, but yes, there is a doll motif here. And if if the rest of the series hadn't been so good, the the fact that the ending was a disaster wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much as it did. So the, I think it's good that you point that out. I will say the director here is Mizushima Tsutsomu, uh, who is you know a very well known anime director. Has done uh, a lot of series that people know really well. He's a very good director. 
did the Shirabaku and 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 did the Shinryaku Ikamazumi. He's versatile, does a lot of different kinds of things. He did Ofuri, in fact, uh, Okiku Furikabuti, uh, the this the sports anime we've talked about. Um, but he also did Blood Sea, which uh, that's horror on a different level. Yeah, and I mostly blame Clamp for for the disaster of Blood Sea, but nevertheless, he did do Blood Sea, and he likes that kind of spectacle. And I think that that's sort of one of the reasons why I think the another ending don't doesn't work is it gets into that whole spectacle thing and sort of loses the whole point of why the series worked in the first place. So anyway, it's it, it's an opportunity lost. It's something you know. It's something you know, it should have been better than it was, but nevertheless, there's some great stuff in another and I, I check it out because the first six or eight episodes of this, of the series are, are really strong, really strong. Um, okay. Let's talk about some non-anime stuff. If you don't mind, I want to talk a little bit about just some general, you know, books, movies, TV shows, things that, things that we really found scary, things that we really liked. I'll go first this time. I'm going to talk about the sixth sense uh, which mm. is a which is a great film uh, nominated for best picture should have won. Uh, great performance by Haley Joel Osment when he was like I think like ten or year ten or eleven years old. It's an astonishingly great performance by him in this. Not as great as his performance in AI, but still great. And Bruce Willis even gives a great performance here in a in a in a very important role. And this is just a really smart, uh, really smart, really. This is one of those movies, we won't spoil what goes on in this movie. I'm assuming most people have seen it or know about The Sixth Sense, but if you haven't and have a chance to go into this movie cold, don't read about it before you see it, just see it. That would be my advice to you. Because uh, the first time I saw it, when I had no idea what I was getting myself in for, was an incredibly fun experience. It really was. And it's scary, very scary, and but it also has a lot of other things going for it too. And it's just a great start to M. Night Shyamalan's directorial career that's sort of gone off the off the rails in a big way since then, <laughs> sadly. But that he was capable of doing something like this just shows you what kind of talent he is. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, the Sixth Sense is what made Bruce Willis rich because he hadn't – he when he took on this movie, he didn't actually believe it was going to do very well. So he just took a percentage of the profits and didn't yeah. get paid up front. And it did phenomenally well and so he he struck it rich there and i think for this movie particularly suspense is i think the one word i would use for this Mm. it does suspense so well yes yes it does it does so which it again if you if you if by some miracle or you're maybe you're young enough that you don't know about the sixth sense and you don't know anything about this movie see it see it and enjoy that yep. experience, but don't read about it before you see it. Just see it. Okay, what's your first pick? Okay, so I'm going to go with a, uh, since you mentioned a movie, I'll mention a movie as well, The Cabin in the Woods. So mm. generally, I'm not huge into horror movies anymore. I used to be really into them. Uh, I mean, I watched The Ring, The Grudge, all that stuff when I was in high school. And then something changed in me, and I just didn't enjoy that kind of stuff anymore but the cabin in the woods i watched after i was off my horror kick and i think it's it's still horror and it's still like got the trappings of the genre but it's interesting it has a really nice ending there's a twist at the end and i think it's a movie that you can watch 
by yourself and not be like super scared, I think. So Mm. that one was a really good one. I'm not going to mention what it's about. I went into it completely blind, which I think for a lot of horror movies, you just have to do that because sometimes the synopsis even will spoil what it's about. I'm just curious. Did you see uh, did you see Blair Witch? I did. Yes. Uh, Did you like Blair Witch? Uh, the the whole marketing thing kind of threw me off because it was like this is a real story and yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. whole sh- the shaky cam handheld thing has never really worked for me. Uh, so no, I I guess I should say I didn't like it that. Okay, much. fair enough. But it's interesting that you mentioned this because I noticed that uh, in looking at what you're going to be talking about, Joss Whedon is a theme here um, because Joss Whedon wrote and directed The Cabin in the Woods. Uh, and I'm a big Joss Whedon fan, but I have to say, I never saw the cabin in the woods, interestingly enough. So, and I know nothing about it. So I guess you're telling me I should keep it that way and see it, huh? Yep. Yep. Okay. There you go. Since you talked about, well, let's go to TV. I want to talk about a TV show called Night Stalker, uh, which, uh, was the story of a TV reporter named Carl Kolchak played by the great Darren McGavin who his beat was uh, not a TV reporter, a newspaper reporter whose, uh, whose beat was horror zombies. Uh, it's all kinds of weird stuff happening in Chicago, which is my hometown, of course, which is another reason I love it. Uh, but he would, his beat was like supernatural stuff. And, and you know, it, in many ways it was a kind of a monster of the week series, but it dealt with like zombies and vampires and all kinds of good stuff. And openly and quite accurately, I would say Chris Carter has said that 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 mode of the X-Files was very much taken from Night Stalker. That was the inspiration for it. And in fact, Darren McGavin did a guest starring role in one of the best episodes of uh, the of X-Files. And that was because Chris Carter was such a huge fan of Night Stalker. Uh, this was remade into a series or a movie later that was nowhere near as good as the original. But the original CBS TV show, which I think is from the 70s. I only even saw it in reruns. The Night Stalker is a great, great horror TV series. One I definitely need to watch because I hadn't heard about it until you mentioned it. It's great. It's great. It's great. Okay, what's next for you? So on the subject of TV, uh, and you mentioned Joss Whedon, and we talked about vampires. So Angel, which is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff. I always found Angel to be the better series. I know most Buffy fans will stake me with like (laughs) something, like a stake or something. Or spike me. I really oh or spike me. Yeah. That was that was a thing in the later seasons, wasn't it? Um who by the way, Spike does end up in in Angel in season five. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I liked I liked it quite a bit. It was sad that it got canceled after season five because it was getting really good. And there's a comic series that continues the story, but it's not the same. I read it. It's even written by Joss Whedon, but it just doesn't have that vibe of the the actors and them adding their talents to it. So, yeah, yeah what's, what's complicated about Joss Whedon is, again, the fact that even though he's done some really good work, there's all this stuff that came out about him. And so I, I, I'm a little – I mean, it, it's not, like, terrible, but it, it's been known that he he has, like, this weird thing and he's he's been, he's been suggested to have messed around with people and stuff like that. Uh, he cheated on his wife and stuff like that. So that that does color some of his work a little bit 
oddly, but I guess in my mind, this uh, Angel stuff was before all of that came out and before he got big with stuff like the Avengers. So it's it's definitely, I think, the best vampire TV series I've seen. Yeah, and you know we we can get into the. There's some stuff with Joss. Let's let's not even go. Yes, there's some stuff with Joss Whedon, and but it's we're not talking about the kind of stuff we talked about with like the mangaka for uh, who who was feeling up middle school girls. It's not that kind yes, of thing. It's not but, that bad. But it yeah, there's stuff there. I let me just say for the record, big big Buffy and Angel fan, like them both. Uh, not even sure which I like better. I, I really do love both series, actually, and was devastated that Angel was canceled when it really felt like it was at its peak of of, of creative ambition. It's a shame uh, that it was canceled because I think there was a lot of great material still to be mined from that. And I actually really liked the addition of, of Spike to the cast because I was always yes. a Spike fan. I like Spike. I think the actor who played him, whose name I James Marsters, uh, was was really, really good. Uh, you know, and Angel had a good cast. It would, it, it, but the thing that Angel worked because it was faithful to the Buffy universe without trying to be a Buffy clone. It was, it was a very different tonally uh, and thematically, while while still being faithful. And when you did occasionally get a Buffy Angel crossover, they were always phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's a shame it was canceled, but I love, I love Buffy and Angel, and Angel is a good pick, and it's really a, a good series. Uh, and there you go. My last one is the blob. And the only reason I want to mention the blob is, uh, because I was terrified by the blob when I was a kid and looking back on it now, (laughs) I think I could probably say, yeah, the blob is probably not that scary. I don't even know. I haven't seen it in years, but when I saw this movie originally on TV, like Son of Svenguli, did you get Son of Svenguli? No, maybe. Do you know Son of Svenguli? Do you know who that is? No, I do not. Um, Son of Svenguli was a was a was a TV horror movie, comic horror movie host. He dressed up in like Vancouver, like vampire. Uh, his name was Rich Koz, actually, and this was in Chicago, but he was na- nationally syndicated, and he dressed up like a vampire, and he would introduce old horror movies. That was his thing. It was every Saturday night. And uh, Count Floyd from Second City, those of you who know Count Floyd, the Joe Flaherty character from Second City was based on him. But um, The Blob came out in the 50s. It's an old horror movie. but And it's basically pretty much everything you need to know about this movie is just the name, The Blob. That's the movie. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it terrified me as a kid for whatever reason. It absolutely fucking terrified me. And that movie gave me nightmares and and forced me to sleep with the lights on for like two years. And I didn't feel why like- Why were you watching it as a kid? I don't even know why. I mean, because Son of Spenguli was funny and we liked Son of Spenguli. I don't know. Whatever the reason was, I was terrified of the blob as a kid. And I can't talk about Halloween and being scared without talking about the blob and giving a nod to the 1958 film, The Blob. So there you go, The Blob. You've never seen The Blob, I'm assuming. No, I've heard of it, and I have seen some of it, actually. Oh, good. But you, you dug deep, deep into the the background well, of cinema for that one. Yeah, I had to. I mean, and I could have even said something like, uh, you know, maybe, oh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There's another good old one. Oh, have yeah, that's that? a good one. That's a great yep, one. Yep, yep. Remade, not nearly as good. Um, now, the last thing I want to talk about is, I wanted to add this as an element, is your scariest, creepiest personal story. Uh, because uh, this is an interesting Halloween angle. 
So I'm going to let you go first because you've had a few days to think about it now. I think it's fair to do that. What is your personal story, your scary, creepy Halloween story that you want to share with our listeners? Oh, my first. But, uh, so would you like me to go first or uh, I can go first if you want? No, I think um, I think it was the, the one that I remember as being personally really scary was I think at night. Yeah, this was what it was. So at night I kept hearing a creaking sound. And this was when I was uh, mm. still living in Pakistan and I had come over to stay at my grandmother's at the time. And it was a, a, a house that I think isn't there anymore. It's definitely not there anymore. There's a creaking sound I kept hearing. And then that creaking sound uh, shifted into uh, a barking sound for a little bit. And then it would go and it would shift into the creaking sound. And so eventually I ended up going outside and taking a look. Cause you know, I was, I was fairly old at the time. Um, and I had just played, uh, resident evil was the thing that I had just played. So there's zombie dogs and that and all that stuff. And it was actually a cat that was, <laughs> um, scraping on this piece of wood outside of the house for some reason, not making a sound, cats terrify me sometimes, and it, and so we shoot it away, and and then that was the end of that. But the the fact that a cat was making a scratching sound and it sounded like a bark was mm. was was I think the thing that stuck out to me all these years. Maybe not the most interesting story, but a little twist at the end. Okay, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, so mine is when I was. Uh, this is, I think, the way a lot of good horror stories get started. I was camping uh, with a friend. Um, and in fact, we were we were in... The thing that sort of strikes me interesting about this is um, uh, we were camping. We, we were sort of driving around late and we were trying to cross... Uh, we were trying to cross the, the Ohio River, I remember. And it was late at night and um, there was supposed to be a ferry... And the ferry was was suspended for some reason. And so there was no way to get across the river. So we were we ended up driving around a little bit, like looking for another way across the river, couldn't find it. And it was dark and we were tired and we we're like, fuck it. Let's just find an, an empty field or something and we'll camp. And that's what we did. And there's, so two things about this story, which are interesting to me. One is, you know, Southern Illinois, there are no bears in Southern Illinois. There's no wildcats in Southern Illinois. We heard in the trees, because we were camping like on the edge of, of a forest, uh, like really, really like deep guttural loud kind of like like grunting, like growling noises, like like really deep, like those kind of, you know, really, really deep growly noises, like like big animal growly noises and like branches going snap. And we were like, what is that? And we, you know, we looked, you know, we, we, we took the flashlights out and, and in, we kept hearing these, these noises coming from the trees. And I thought to myself, okay, it, maybe it's a deer, right? It's a buck, it's a male deer. And, but this sounded way too deep in the chest guttural to be like, uh, like an herbivorous animal. I don't know what it was to this day. I don't know what it was. Uh, never saw it. It did not sound like anything someone who grew up in the Midwest knew existed in 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 rural Illinois. If I had heard it in California, I would have said, "Oh, Jesus, that's a bear." 
but this was Illinois. Oh, okay, because we have we have bears in Wisconsin and Minnesota. We don't have bears. Yes, I know we have bears in Wisconsin and northern Michigan and and Minnesota, but we don't have bears in Illinois. Um, so I don't know to this day. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was Bigfoot. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But it was it was it was pretty scary. Then the thing was, we had no idea where we were, right? Because this was dark. We just pulled over by the side of the road. And then when the sun came up in the morning, um, we we could see this big building off like very close to us, like a hundred yards away from us, like across a road. And there was a big sign saying Marion Maximum Security Federal Penitentiary. Oh, wow. Uh, no loitering permitted. So you know, no connection necessarily between the two things, but the combined effect of those two things in the morning was let's get in the car and get the hell out of here as quickly as possible. You're scaring me. You're scaring me <laughs> a little bit here. Uh, also, the creature that uh, Guardian had so heard, if you're listening to this podcast, write in and let us know. Yeah. And I was going to say also write in and let us know your own personal scary stories because we would love to hear those. And if we hear anything really good, we'll share it on the air. So there you go. All right, so that's our Halloween special. Any last thoughts on Halloween, Sitsukin, for our listeners? Yes, I will say if you're in the mood for video games, because I didn't get to mention those. Ah, yes, yes. Good the game. Japanese are really good at that. So any of the Resident Evil things, if you're looking for psychological horror, go with Silent Hill. If you're actually looking for light novels or uh, visual novels, sorry, stuff like that, go for anything by Rubochi again. He, he made a really, really messed up and creepy visual novel um i'll link it in the description i'm forgetting the name but yeah okay and my only thought on this is dear listeners we love you please don't trick-or-treat don't go to big halloween parties with a lot of people i know you want to but don't do it think about the future you know uh but enjoy your halloween nonetheless and uh, have a little party in your house and uh share lots of candy with your kids but don't go trick-or-treating. Don't go to a party. Carve up a pumpkin. Carve up a pumpkin. Carve up a pumpkin. All right, there you go. And thus, we we bequeath you our happy Halloween wishes and our regrets that the Christmas music will be starting uh, immediately after Halloween is over. But we're not finished, are we? Of course we're not. We're never finished. There's always more. Just like Thanksgiving comes after Halloween, something comes after our topic of the week. What might that be? Alrighty, dear listeners, you know it's an Enzo hosting week when we get a manga recommendation corner because Enzo likes to do manga recommendations. And uh, this week chose a slightly different course. We're going to do a manga which is called uh, Shinigami Bochan Tokuru Maid or The Duke of Death and His Black Maid. And this one is a little bit interesting because uh, it's, it's, uh, well, okay. Let me start off by saying. Uh, it's it's a fun series. It's it's a story about uh, a young man. Uh, I think he's about eighteen years old, something like that. Who's a, a rich aristocrat? He's the duke, and he he's cursed by a witch uh, so that anything he touches will die. And this includes other people, animals, plants. Anything he touches is living will die. So. He's exiled by his uh, by his mother, who is uh, we don't hear much about his father in the series, but his mother exiles him to the detached estate because she doesn't want him anywhere around the house. And the only people who go with him are his maid, Alice, and an old butler named Rob. And it's a very interesting series. It it's 
very much in the in the vein of a Western fairy tale, but a Western fairy tale with a Japanese sensibility, which I've always enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed that combination. I think Kuroshitsuji is a very good example of this this combination. Um, this is not as dark and edgy as Kuroshitsuji, let me be clear. But it does have that same very interesting... It has that same interesting meld of, of, a, of a Victorian era Western fairy tale and a Japanese manga sensibility. And it's got a very kind of a whimsical sense of humor, a very kind of a whimsical art style. The, the mangaka here is Inoue Koharu, both the author and the writer. Uh, and it's, um, it's on about 10 volumes in Japan now, and in fact has gotten a live action adaptation, which is very interesting. Um, and I think one of the reasons I wanted to mention wanted to mention this series is because I think it's sort of an interesting sort of an interesting thing we're seeing in anime more and more is that a lot of series that used to get anime are now getting live actions. We see this with a lot of manga adaptations. They used to get anime back in the day. Now they're getting live action. And this doesn't necessarily thrill me as a fan because I'm more of a fan of anime than I am of Japanese drama. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Japanese drama, mostly. And I also think it kind of casts a little bit of an unsettling picture about the fact that perhaps publishers are starting to think, well, anime is just not interested in this sort of series anymore, so forget it. We'll just go straight to TV, live action TV or movies, which I hope is not the case, but it seems to be the case. And I think we're seeing it more and more with series that don't fit the genre boxes that anime is specializing in these days. They're just going straight to live action. They're not even bothering those manga. Um, but in any event... Whether you check out the live action or not, uh, it's an excellent series. Again, the, the English translation is The Duke of Death and His Black Maid. The original title is Shinigami Bochan to Kuro Maid. And it, it's, it's, above all else, it's a romance. And it's a really, really nice romance, a really sweet romance. D dark elements, a lot of comedy, but a very interesting cast of supporting characters. And it's got a lot of magic and, and you know, witches and all kinds of stuff like that. And it, it's really... It's really fun in that sense. And I also wanted to mention, because the the witchcraft element and all that, it's a good theme for Halloween as well, since that's our theme this week. Um, this this is a series that definitely ties into that. Uh, but it's like I said, it's not as dark as Kuroshitsuji, which is a, an anime we could have actually mentioned during our Halloween segment, now that I think about it. But True. Um, it's a good one. But this is, it, it, it's a really fun series and, and very, very, uh, has a lot of charm to it. Really likable cast. Uh, there's circus element. Boy, there are a lot of Kurosuji like things. There's a circus here too. Anyway, though, it's not Kurosuji. It's quite different tonally from Kurosuji. Just the services, uh, the resemblance is more superficial. But if you like Kurosuji, I think this is a series that would probably appeal to you. Have you read any of this one, Shizuken? No, I have not. But when you mentioned this, and when I looked at the cover art and some of the promotional images. This definitely seemed like Kurosuji to me, and I liked Kurosuji, but I think the second, the anime original ending and the second season kind of screwed the franchise as a whole. I think in the anime space, even though they kind of tried to ignore that in the third anime series or whatever. But uh, for this specifically, I think it's really good. It looks really good to me. I'm excited in it. 
Uh, but the problem with this is it's not licensed in English. Nope. Nope, it's not. So, yeah, another one of those things where I really do wonder what uh, a lot of these licensors are doing. And I guess it seems like uh, with the manga, until the anime comes out, it doesn't seem like Western fans generally get uh, a manga first unless it's like a huge seller or something like that. It, it it at least that's the way it feels to me. But I'm not a avid manga reader, so people who read translated manga can correct me on that. But this looks really good. I might yeah. check it out. Yeah, and it's the sad thing is it's I think it's an anime. It's a manga that should do well in it in within with with Western audiences. It should be licensed because it's um I think it's quite I I think it's I think it's I think it's quite uh, it's it's quite Western friendly, wouldn't you say? It comes off quite Western friendly, and like yes. the, in the visuals and stuff like that. Like I said, it it very much has a a Western fairy tale kind of a motif to it. I think, uh, which you know, all the more reason why why it should be licensed, and it's not. And like you said, I'm I'm sometimes I I'm not sure. What the thinking is that goes into these decisions, really? This one isn't even licensed in this one isn't even licensed in like France or Italy, where you would even expect a series like this to be licensed even before English, and especially because this one is quite European in its in its uh, in its style. So there you go. Um, but, you know, but again, check it out. And the fact that it did get a live action. It, it it speaks to the fact that it's doing quite well in serialization. So I, they, we could conceivably get more popularity mainstream for this, which might help lead to somebody like Yen or somebody in the West noticing it. Uh, Yen Press is still in business, aren't they? I think they are. Um, but anyway, somebody, somebody, maybe even Viz. You know, Viz, Viz doesn't do Viz Crunchyroll. Don't do series like this a whole lot, but I think it would work. Uh, but I, I immediately thought of, I immediately thought of, uh, I immediately thought of Yen Press as someone who would be a good fit for this, but somebody licensed it already. God damn it. There you go. I mean, it is only, it did only start three years ago, right? 2017. Yeah. 10 volumes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's new enough that it, 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 it may just take a little more time. If it gets an anime, it, it obviously improves the chances of it getting licensed. Um, mm. but now that it's gotten a live action, and let me say, by the way, this this plague of going directly to live action uh, versus going to anime is even is probably most acute in the shojo. Yes, uh, in the shojo reign, and this is not a shojo for the record, but it, I think that particular phenomenon is probably most acutely being felt in in the shojo realm, where a lot of series that used to get anime adaptations are now getting live actions instead. Um, which again. Mm, irritates the hell out of me, but there you go. What can you do? So <laughs> that is our manga recommendations corner for the week. Shinigami Bochan Tokuro made by Inoue Koharu. Check it out. And I can see the great pumpkin starting to emerge from the pumpkin patch, but he's not fully visible yet. We have a couple, we have a couple more things. We have a couple more hills we have to surmount before we can bask in the company of the great pumpkin so what else could we have to do before the great pumpkin becomes our friend this halloween let's see find a glass slipper find a glass slipper there you go and now it's time for enzo to torture himself or be tortured by setsukin depending on how you look at it and we do our haiku challenge we talked about a haiku now let's talk about haiku 
And as the rules, as you know, I don't know what's coming. I'm surprised by what Setsukin throws at me. And uh, we'll see if I need to have him fill dead air time while I think about an answer. So, uh, so Setsukin, do you have a theme for me for this week's Enzo's Haiku Challenge? Well, uh, going with what we've been doing so far, I'll give you the word macabre. Macabre. Make a haiku on, a haiku on that, and I bet you you're going to have to think about that a little bit. So, all right, let's let's talk about first of all before we get down that road. How many syllables is macabre? It depends on how you pronounce it. Macabre, macabre. Uh, what what? Since you are giving me the since you're giving me the the the, the theme, how many syllables do you want to ascribe to it? Um, the spelling based off of the spelling. So I would say three then I'll say three then. Okay. Macabre. Okay. All right. So macabre. Okay. Mm, Okay. Here we go. Macabre, which rhymes with, oh no, I'm not doing this. IQ. you are. (laughs) Well, no, there's no rhyming involved. This isn't, we're not doing the limericks. Now, if you want, if no, no, I was, I was actually, I was actually going to help you out there. Oh, uh, okay. But, but I stopped. Now a limerick challenge that would be that would be another way we could go. Um, mm. But okay, mm. right, yeah, I think see. the one thing I'm reflecting on as we're recording this podcast is my story for the horror story really sucked. So apologies in advance, everybody. No, <laughs> the it was cat, fine. the cat as the dog was not a really good one, which um, it was equally not really great with the whole. <laughs> well, did Nickelodeon have a cat dog thing where they were both one entity? That is the stuff of nightmares, listeners. Some Western trivia for you, cat dog. And I'm sure all the cat dog fans are going to come out of the woodwork with their pitchforks and uh, stake me, uh, similar to the Joss Whedon Buffy fans. Um, All right. I'm ready. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Macabre. Blood Sea, I hate you. Is that too dark? I'm sorry. I feel macabre. Hmm. <laughs> I, I had a feeling. I, I had a feeling you were going to work blood sea into it. I almost debated giving you blood sea as the title, but I was like, "That's too easy." Uh, so, well, props um, on you for for bringing blood sea into it. Okay, there we go. So, uh, so um, all of our uh, all of our uh, all of our artists out there, you can start working on your on your uh, on your etchings on your on your. Uh, on your on your wall script on, on wall scripts for our tea rooms and and such we look forward to uh to all of your all of your submissions and send all your fan art of blood sea to guardian Enzo as well no no please send it to studio <laughs> please send it to uh clamp uh manga manga house in in uh in tokyo where they're based please send all that artwork to clamp directly i'm sure they'll appreciate it far more than me and that is this week's macabre halloween special edition and Zoo's Haiku Challenge. All right, listeners, it's your turn. It's your show. We're just the guests now. It's it's question time. It's not Prime Minister's question time. So Boris Johnson, I see you staring through the window. No, you can't come in. It's just question time. <laughs> it's just question time. And the same with you, Mr. Suga. Speaking of horror, Boris Johnson looking at you through the window. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's like my Halloween horror story. I woke up one morning and Boris Johnson was staring at me through my window. No, no, no. Uh, we have a couple of questions from a couple of our regulars. One of them is uh, the the fair maiden Princess Usagi, the Princess of the Moon. 
the rabbit, she comes in with a question. Are there enemy, any enemy, are there any anime or T films or series that are good adaptations of classic literature? Short answer. Yes. Uh, the anime adaptations of the tale of Genji. And uh, there was an anime, uh, Bungo to Alchemist where each story loosely adapted a story from classic uh, Japanese authors, but I don't know if there are any others. So do uh, you want to jump in first here with uh, one of your picks on this? Yes. Yeah, so I'll probably pick Gonzo's Romeo X Juliet and Gun Cuts Count of Monte Cristo, mm. which are loose adaptations of uh, and inspired by the, the Shakespeare uh, Romeo X Juliet, obviously from Shakespeare mm. and Count of Monte Cristo, obviously the very famous classic mm. novel. Both of them have a sci-fi twist on the classic properties but they're both really good and this was i think gonzo at its peak for me personally uh so those are definitely ones i would recommend for anybody looking for classic literature stuff and i i assume she didn't just mean japanese literature but that was my yeah i don't know um well first of all if the first one that comes to mind for me is uh the tale of the princess Kaguya, Kaguya Hime, the, the, the Takahata's final film for Studio Ghibli, which is uh, phenomenal. Uh, it's, 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 it's really, 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 it's one of my favorite anime films of all time. It's, it's just an absolute classic and I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, that theater got very weepy at the end of that film. I can tell you that it's really well done. Uh, the, the other one that comes to mind of the two you mentioned, I would definitely call out uh, Gankatsu, which I think is a is a legitimately great anime. I think Romeo and Juliet falls in the underrated, pretty good camp for me. But Gankatsu, it is a loose adaptation of the Count of Monte Cristo, but it's it's definitely faithful spiritually to it, and it's a really, really wonderful, wonderful series. It's 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 a great anime. It is maybe very unique visual style too, right? Yeah, totally unique visual style. It probably along with Last Exile, it's it's um, it's Gonzo at their best for me. Those two series, um, and then one I could mention would be maybe um, something like Folk Tales, uh, Folk Tales from Japan, which is a children's series, and it's not great, but it adapts. Uh, you know, all the various Japanese folktales. Uh, and it just, it's entertaining for what it is. That's just something like 200 episodes. It's pretty long. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, what else could we say? I mean... Uh, Zetsuin no Tempest, I think. Yes, that's a good pick. Yeah, Zetsuin no Tempest is loosely based on The Tempest, uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest. And it also incorporates Beethoven's The Tempest, which is the theme riffing on Beethoven's The Tempest, on Shakespeare's The Tempest. So kind of brilliantly, I might add. Mm. Um, it, it's a very, very, very loose adaptation. Let's be clear. It's, yes. a, it's a very loose adaptation, but there is an allusion to it in the themes there to be sure. And that is definitely one of the ones I, I would like to mention. So, And you had one other one on your list here yeah, that I think is a good one. Yeah. So hit that one. Yes. Uh, I'll mention Magi, which is... Uh... Inspired by the uh, 100 Arabian Nights, 101 Arabian Nights, mm, I think it is. Mm. So there's Aladdin in there or Aladdin, uh, mm. if you want to be correct. There's uh, Alibaba, the the leader of the 40 Thieves. And Magi does a really interesting rep- uh, interpretation of those and makes it shown in anime, which I think is really cool. So Magi, I am surprised we haven't gotten another season of Magi after the two mm. and then the spin-off Sinbad series. 
Sinbad, Sinbad. Um, mm. So uh, that Magi is, I think, a really good one. Yeah, I like Magi. I, I do feel like it, it, I, it seemed to lose it for me a little bit. The last part of the anime, it kind of it, it, something just wasn't right somehow. But uh, the first season of Magi, I really like. I haven't read the manga, but it is a it relatively. I mean, it's not faithful, but it definitely incorporates the elements of the Arabian Nights in there. So for sure. Uh, that's a good pick. So I hope that helps you out, Princess Sasagi. Those are some good ones to start out with. Uh, and then from uh, our friend Glare Stare on YouTube says uh, about last week's episode, really nice episode. This was our movie episode. Uh, sorry for the late question, but I want to ask, what happened to anime OVAs? Will you do an episode about them? And uh, I'll go first here and then let you have your say. As far as doing an episode about them, probably not. We'll talk about them individually. In fact, we mentioned one this week, uh, but uh, the Watakoi. But um, the problem with OVAs is OVAs used to be really an avenue for original, that was the name, original video animation, the, the, a venue for original kind of almost like an alternative to movies, really, but an almost experimental style where you could do kinds of interesting things. That's really how F- Fooly Cooly came about, FLCL. Uh, it was an OVA. It was kind of the classic representation of what an old school OVA was. It was something that wasn't going to be on TV. It was it was edgy. It was different. It was exploring different themes. Now OVA, for the most part, is the vast majority of OVA is an extension of TV anime franchises, and that's what it is. It's just like special episodes that you release with manga or whatever of TV shows. So inherently, I think because of that, OVA has become a lot less interesting than it used to be. As I've done my season preview posts over the years, I've always done an OVA section and a theatrical section. And I found in the last four or five years that my theatrical sections have tended to become longer with more interesting films. And my OVA sections have tended to become shorter and shorter to the point where I've had a couple OVAs where I've like, sorry, I don't have any OVAs to preview. Um, there's just nothing, nothing to do. So that's kind of why we didn't talk about it last week. And unless the overall production model changes, I doubt we'll be doing a full show on it at any point in the future. Very well put. Uh, I agree with most of what you said. The only thing I'll add is for the longest time, I had thought that ONAs would kind of succeed OVAs and that's original net internet anime. But those have just become porn, like softcore porn or hardcore porn. That's what most of them are. I, I used to follow them. And then th- that's what it is. Like, did you watch some of the ONA things? Like there was one where my wife is a student council president or whatever. And that was just a harem with softcore porn elements to it. Yeah. So I Once I saw that and it, it became a pattern after a while, they would be short 10 to 15 minute episodes the budget of the animation would be really bad and it would be you you know what i mentioned it like three times so a different kind of horror and not (laughs) the kind of horror that i was interested in so i just skipped it and so i think ovas and onas currently there just don't exist in the form that they used to i think golden boy was an etchy ova series that i enjoyed uh originally in the love hina era Mm. it was like a more well, that was one of the things you could do more adult yeah. gory things in OVA. So I agree with uh, you, Guardian Enzo. We're probably not going to do an episode on them. Although 
in the spirit of today, I think the Helsing OVAs are really good as well. And I mentioned Helsing before. Um, so, yeah, yeah, uh, it's sad, but OVAs are kind of not a thing anymore. Yeah, and it's it's conceivable, I suppose, that could change in the future, but I, you know, probably not anytime soon. And the last real ONA of consequence, I think, was probably the Kyoso Giga ONA because before it was a TV series, that's how it started. It was a it was an ONA, and uh, that was I don't know what six years ago, five six years ago, something like that. And I don't think there's really been a significant important ONA since that. So yeah, a lot of them are porny. Uh, sometimes you just get like manga or TV series will will end up doing an ONA instead of an OVA for a special episode. But that's basically what they are now. They're special episodes and they used to be original. Now they're special episodes So or porn. So and while both special episodes and porn have their place, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not quite it's not quite the same. And, and, you know, probably not a big theme for us going forward. But if, if something should should arise that demands a response, we'll certainly be here to respond to it. And on that note, we can wrap up another long and fruitful uh, discussion of uh, Notaku Anime Chat. As always, it's been a real pleasure. I enjoyed being with you. I want to again wish everybody a really great Halloween and hopefully a very safe Halloween. And uh, one more plug. Of course, we have anime-evo.net, lostinanime.com, at NotakuPod, our Twitter. Uh, Guardian Enzo at Twitter and uh, Setsuken. Is it? I forgot your Twitter. Anime Evo at Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter? No, it's at Setsuken. Yeah, at Setsuken. That's right. That's right. And uh, again, one more plug for our listener survey. Please take a few minutes and fill that out if you would. We would really appreciate it. Uh, we really, we really, we want to know what you think. We've been doing this for a while now, one core, and we really want to know. Uh, what you what you like and what you would like to see more of in the future. And I think that's really important for us going forward. The future is in your hands. The future is in your hands. So A, vote. And B, uh, if you haven't voted already, and B, uh, fill out our survey. And, uh, and we really appreciate it. And with that, I will say thank you very much. Satsukin, any last message to our listeners? Stay warm. Stay warm. And, uh, and in my own inimitable style, I will come back with... Stay frosty. See you soon. Bye-bye.